Now, as a community, we believe God has called us to have a world vision. And it is my privilege this morning to introduce a world missionary. He's, Sam's going to tell you what he's going to be up to. And in the next few months, I think he's probably going to be covering much of the globe. So, Sam, come and share with us. Good morning, guys. So many of you will know that we as a church have been praying for the Middle East uh, since Emmanuel Global Reach kicked off and probably just before that. And the Middle East has about 400 million people residing in it. And as Pete shared just a moment ago, many of those need to hear the love of the Father. Around 330 million Muslims live in the Middle East with little or no access to the gospel. And we believe that God has called us as Emmanuel Church to be part of the answer in taking the gospel to them. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. But also a core word which we as the church have carried here at Emmanuel is that as we look to the nations, God will give us Durham. And so I'm excited this next week I'll be heading to Lebanon for a gathering of over 35 young leaders from across the Middle East and around the globe. Um, from about 15 different nations, as we look to think, what does it mean to carry hope to this region? The Middle East desperately needs hope. And this will be the first gathering of its kind. Two weeks later, I'm going to be back in Durham for two weeks, and then I'm heading out to a place called Socotra, which you might just be able to make out. Just below Yemen, there's a small island in green. That is Socotra. It is an island of 80,000 people, almost 100% Islamic and little or no gospel presence at all. I'm heading over there to reconnect with some friends to spend five weeks learning Yemeni Arabic at a newly formed language school and to intercede for the Middle East. And something which is really cool about Socotra is back with the early church, tradition suggests that the Apostle Thomas, on his way to India, planted the first church in Socotra. And by the 1600s, all presence of Christianity was virtually gone, um, and it's steadily become more and more Islamic. But I love that, and it's become a prayer for me from Isaiah 58, that God will raise up the age-old foundations of the land Socotra. So heading there, and then finally I'm heading on to Qatar for three weeks. As many of you know, our dear friends and family, Taiwo and Tayo, have been out there for a while. I'll be heading to reconnect with them, But I'm also there because it is the World Cup. And (laughs) let me finish. (laughs) There are going to be about 1.5 million visitors from around the earth coming to Qatar for the World Cup over a month period. And I'm really excited because God's opened up a door for me to be a volunteer with FIFA. So I'll be on a stadium working with around 20,000 volunteers, many of them young people, many local Qataris. And my prayer is that it would be a door to be able to form connections and to sow seeds of the gospel among young people, many coming from some of the most difficult countries on that map up there. So there are the three opportunities, and in Qatar, I'll be with a team who are created at our family, and we go on these things as family. I thought Bulgaria was a beautiful picture of that. Although there were 12 of us on the team, we had around 80 to 100 people on a WhatsApp group, praying and interceding throughout the trip. And I love how we had words brought from people like Richard and Angus and Sandra, 
where we'd wake up one morning, there'd be a word uh, which would be directional and would shape the way we went that day. And as we went into different places, we found that the doors were wide open. And I think that was down to prayer. So we go on these things as family. And I would love you guys as family to consider how you can sow into this trip over the coming months. There are two main ways you can do that. Firstly, I'd love you to pray and to pray over practicals, pray over gospel opportunities in these three places over the coming months. And secondly, I'd love you to consider if you could sow into this financially. I have to raise around £4,000 to head out to the Middle East in just over two weeks, and I've raised just over half of that. And, and so I'd love you to consider if you could sow into it. And if you're sat there thinking, I don't have very much to give, and the small things make a huge difference. I think if everyone in this room gave £5, it would almost be pretty much covered. And so they are the two invitations. And there is a QR code uh, here and a link which takes you to a stewardship page, which also allows, facilitates giving with gift aid as well. And so you can look at that link. Um, I'm sure this is the one time you're allowed to get your phones out during the service. Um, or you can come and speak to me afterwards. But yeah, I'd love it if you guys could be praying over the coming weeks and months. And yeah, excited for what God is doing. Excited that we've got other opportunities as a family in the Middle East coming up. And let's see what the Lord is building in and through Emmanuel in the nations. Amen. Amen. Why not? Why not indeed? Last night I received a text from Chris saying I may not be there in the morning because I may miss my connection in the airport. And it's always a blessing on a Saturday night when the preacher says they may not be there. So your mind goes into overdrive, you pray fervently, and you come up with the plan. And then an hour later you get another message saying, I will be there. And you think, Thank you, God. All of that prayer, gone. But John is not here because he did miss his connection. He was coming in from France, uh, southern France. You were coming in from Switzerland. Yep. And you're here. I made so it. So let's pray. Father, we want to <clears throat> thank you that you brought Chris to us this morning. We want to thank you for the challenging word that she is carrying. And we ask, Lord, that each one of us might respond to your word and that we will just progress in all that you've got for us individually and as a community in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So first of all, I'm going to be John. So John was going to give this notice. Just kind of imagine me much taller. So uh, we're starting a Japan group. So part of the um, word over this church is go to the nations and I will give you Durham. And for me, Japan has this place in my heart. It's a place I've had to go for work a couple of times a year for the last 25, 30 years. Uh, my top tip is don't count the years. But I've been going to Japan for a very long time. And Jesus just moves my heart when I'm there because I see I see a people who who are kind of lost. He talks in the Gospels about seeing, having compassion on the crowd, how they're like sheep without a shepherd. And in many ways, Japan's culture is amazing, but there's no, there's nothing of this love of God 
There's nothing of this amazing heart that God has for them. And so uh, we're starting a Japan group for people who are interested in Japan. We're starting it this week. It's going to be on Thursday because I have a whole group from Japan coming to visit me at work. And I've, I've organized it with them. I said, okay, let, let's do something a little bit different if you're up for it. Come to my house. I have a group of people from church who are interested in Japan. And we'll just talk and get to know each other. Anyone can bring a question that they have about Japan. And you can bring a question that you have about life in the UK. So I'm expecting they're going to ask, what, what is it with the Queen? Um, how did you feel about that? Why was there a queue six miles long? We're good at queuing. We're British. Um, and uh, we're going to have some food. It's not a prayer meeting. It's not even a meeting where we're going to talk about God that much, although they know that you're my friends from church, so they know it's a question that might be asked. But it's just, a, I have friends from Japan, and I have, I know there are people here who, where God has laid it on their heart to really pray for Japan. So come. But I need to know how many people, because there's going to be food, because that's very important. So if that's something that interests you, 7 o'clock on Thursday, it is not a prayer meeting. It is a meet someone from Japan and get to know them as people, as individuals, and uh, let's do it. But I need to know how many people are coming so that you all get food. So come and see me afterwards if you're interested. Okay. That was John. Now I'm me. <laughs> Morning. Okay. So what we're going to do today is we're going to pick up on uh, Stephen's preach from last week where he talked about doing a spiritual MOT. And he talked um, about the Acts 2, that the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to meeting together. And it's that second bit that I want to talk about today. So if my slides could come up. Great. Thank you. So when we talk about meeting together as believers, we, we think about church. And um, certainly in the culture we live in, what people often associate with church is a building. And we live in Durham and we have the most beautiful cathedral. It is incredibly beautiful, but that's not the church. The church, okay, let me get, the church is people. It's about people who love Jesus. And meeting together is really important. It says in the Bible, do not give up meeting together. But it's not just one to two hours on a Sunday whether your church looks like either of these two photos, that's part of it. Coming together to worship God together, that's just an amazing feeling of being together communally worshipping Jesus. That's clearly part of it. 
but it's not the whole. We're family. God calls us his children. Jesus says he's our brother. We are family. And if anyone else is doing the, we are fam, no, let's not go there. <laughs> we are family. So this is, is my family. The, the thing that unites us is very obvious. You look at those three people and you think, hmm, they share a lot of genetics. They also share a penchant for silly hats. Um, we are family. And the thing that unites us are genetic heritage. That is so much bigger than our differences. We have many differences. We are very different people. Even though me and my sister, we obviously shared a lot of our upbringing. But we're very different. My niece, she is very different again. But we are family together. So I look across this church. We are family. We are, no, <laughs> stick to the script. We are family with differences. So how do we build family when we are different? Well, actually, it's difficult. But we do it in our families. We, we do it with the very different personalities in our actual blood families. And the church is kind of the same. And it takes time and it takes effort. Our family does a meet-up every couple of months and we all have to travel from different places. It takes time. We have to coordinate everybody's diaries. Uh, my niece especially, uh, every weekend she's doing something because she's young. Um, and, and it takes effort. It takes kind of a bit of commitment. And Especially after COVID, I've noticed in myself that COVID was very isolating, but we kind of got used to being isolated. And we kind of adapted our lives and changed our lives and built new habits because we had to. But change is difficult and now we've formed those new habits, I find in me that it's actually hard to change, even when I'm a people person. And I love people, and I, um, I just love meeting with people. That's part of who I am. But actually, life is busy, and in COVID times, I got used to going to work, coming back, and... Um, trying to get a bit more healthy. So we tried to eat healthily. We tried to do some walks around Durham most evenings. And that takes time. And now we can meet together. You're thinking, hmm, but when, when am I going to get my walk in? Um, 
Am I the only one who... Yeah, fine. Um, and so we need, we need to kind of, I need to shift my thinking a little bit. That, yeah, actually it was good to use that time to get a bit healthier, but now I get people again. Oh, oh that's so exciting. Um, and I need to change the way I see my time and to get back into the habit of meeting with people. In the Bible, it says about practicing hospitality. It's not necessarily something that's easy. We do like people. We're humans. We're social. But sometimes it takes effort if you've got to sort of organize something in the diary to meet with people or you're you're going to eat together or... Sometimes, sometimes we get too used to just doing things for ourselves and in our own way. And also, there is, there's a huge range of people in the church. There's a range of people in my family, range of personalities, range of things that they uh, like or don't like, and there is in the church, in my church family. And in society, there's quite a lot of fault lines. There's quite a lot of things in society that people feel very strongly about. I mean, even in the last sort of five, five or six years, there's been the sort of Brexit remain debate or the vaccination, anti-vaccination. There's the societal issues like rich or poor, old or young, family, single. There's, um, there's race. There's, your experience is different depending on your race in terms of how people react to you. Gender, sexuality. My own one is sometimes science and faith. You know what? There's a range of opinions on these things. And my life got easier when I didn't expect people to have the same opinion as me. My life got easier when I stopped looking for people who were just like me. Because you know what? I don't think there are people who are just like me. But you know what? There aren't people who are just like you either. We are individuals and we're loved by God as individuals, but he is building us into his family together. And this is especially an issue in our current kind of culture. Social media amplifies voices we like to hear, and we like to hear voices that agree with us. We like to think, I like to think, that all right-thinking people agree with me because I, of course, am right on everything. You know what? That's probably not true. (laughs) And it's good for me to know that right-thinking people, who are my friends and my family, disagree with me on some things. And that's okay because we are family. We 
whoops, wrong way. So, how do we do it? How do we become family that's more than a couple of hours on a Sunday? Because you can't really get to know someone for a couple of hours on a Sunday, especially when you're spending most of that time actually focusing on Jesus rather than on each other. So how do we do this? Well, one of the ways across the church is that we break it down into small groups. It's what, 150 adults here? Um, I can't have a deep and meaningful conversation with each of you on a Sunday. Surprising what I can get out of you in five minutes, but still, it doesn't work that way. Whereas if we meet together in groups of 8, 10, 12, you can actually get to know each other. But it has to be a priority on our time, in our diaries. We actually have to do it. But then we know each other more as people. We can grieve with each other. Life is not always easy. There's been a lot in the past couple of years. We can celebrate with each other. Most of all, for me, it's the opportunity in our small group meetings to share our own experience of God working in our lives. So I want to tell you a story. When we were uh, living in Japan, we had a smallish group there. And we were trying to explain to them about how a small group might work, how you can worship together, pray together, but share your experience of what Jesus has done in our lives, of our relationship with Jesus how that works. And in Japan, the churches that are there, they tend to be quite small, but they also tend to be quite formal and very front-led. The thing that matters is teaching. The thing that matters is the person at the front. The thing that matters is their faith. Not that that's ever said, but if there's no space for your faith to make a difference or to be shared, we are human and we think that means it doesn't matter. But it really matters. It really, really matters. Your faith matters to me. My faith matters to you. And in a small group, you get the opportunity to actually talk about the times in our lives when God has met with us, the times in our lives where where that kind of voice of God has changed how we think about things or what we've done. I'm not uh, kind of big on hearing a voice of God. I've uh, it's been a very few times where I've really absolutely known 
that God has said something to me. But most of the time, it's something more subtle. Most of the time, it's something more, oh, I think, oh, maybe God is saying this. And in fact, the Japan group, I had one of those kind of feelings of sinking terror on, oh, I'm wanting to start a Japan group. And I've got three visitors from Japan coming and another who's working with me currently. Oh, we could, we could terrifyingly bring these two together and hide under the sofa quivering. This is the reality. God working in our lives. And yes, there's, it's an opportunity as well to pray with each other, to prophesy over each other, to practice using the spiritual gifts that God has given us. It's quite terrifying on a Sunday. There's a lot of people here. But in, a, in someone's front room, as you're praying and worshipping, if you feel God's saying something to somebody, you can kind of grab your courage and say, I believe that God is maybe saying this. And walk it out with each other and with Jesus. And we can support each other reaching out. We can support each other in whatever opportunities uh, come our way. Because we are all individuals. We all have different lives. We have different opportunities. But we all have opportunities. And we can support each other and encourage each other. And then we can band together and do things together to reach out to our communities and to make a difference. So some of the small groups uh, actually focus on one of these things rather than the others. But they all do all of these things occasionally in some, uh, in some balance. So that's how it works. And why I'm actually doing this is because I, th- I think that as a church, we've, because we had to change during COVID, now we're back together. And I know in myself, it's something that I need to reprioritize in my life. They traditionally meet in an evening, uh, but actually that can be difficult for people. Some people, they've got children, some people work shifts, some people travel a lot and don't make the connection, um, some people can't travel and need transport. There's a, a whole range of barriers, as well as the barriers in our head, there's physical barriers. But think about what could work. Just because traditionally they meet on an evening doesn't mean they have to. Some groups have done kind of Saturday morning breakfast or uh, there's a group, I think, that meets during the day. And if what works for you, you don't think it exists, come and talk to Alan (laughs) or me or Ian or Keith or John. We can connect people together to set it up 
together. Keep going the wrong way. But I'm going to um, end it with a story about uh, something that happened to us in the summer. We're in Cragside, where there's a labyrinth through the rhododendrons. Has anyone been? Wave at me if you've been to the Cragside. Okay, so we, we were there, and it was a nice day. And, and uh, this small child, maybe about five or six, ran past us, going, Ray! Shoot off through the labyrinth. And we're thinking, a bit small to have just run away from their parents like that, but we didn't give it another thought. Um, about five minutes later, he, uh, five or ten minutes later even, he um, came past us again, again without his parents. And, uh, and he's, he's still going, ah, dragons, dragons, dragons. And then, oh, so we go, hi. And he goes, hi. Then he goes, hmm, I think, I think it's better to be with people. I think maybe I'll follow you. And we're going, what? <laughs> and he goes, ah, I, I think that's, that's more sensible if I follow you because um, and we're going, where, where were your family? And he's going, well, I'm not really sure. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, I, I'll, I'll just come with you because that, that's the sensible thing to do. And John is very good at knowing where he is in, even in a maze. And so we go, well, I tell you what, let's, let's go to the center where there's this tree house. We'll go to the center and maybe we'll find your family there. And, uh, and John whispers to me, and there's a phone number on the side. We can call that. <laughs> so we, we head off towards the center, John leading the way because he does actually know where he's going. And, uh, and I'm talking to this, to this boy and we, we start talking about dragons and superpowers. Do you think, what superpower would you like? And do you think there's a dragon round the corner? And, uh, and then he starts to not feel scared anymore and he goes, oh, I think we should go that way and shoots off down and we go, no, why don't we go to the center? You might find your family at the center. But the sort of more he felt safe because he was with us, with some adults who looked like they knew where they were going, he would sort of shoot off in all directions. Finally, 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 we get him to the center. And his mom is there and she sees him and starts crying. And he gives her a big hug, but he's not scared anymore, apart from the fact that now she's crying. Oh no, why is she crying? <laughs> And she is just so relieved. She'd been calling everywhere. And, um, and so we're, we're slinking off. Oh, that, that's good. That's fine. Bye now. <laughs> Being very English about it. And um, yeah, so where is this story going? Maybe, maybe actually you've been coming on a Sunday. It's kind of like you're following people who seem to know where they're heading and what they're doing. And that's kind of been really good. And it's kind of made you feel safe. So don't just come on a Sunday to find company in the maze of life to make you feel safe. 
come into the center and come and meet your family and be family to each other. Let's prioritize actually meeting together. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Let's prioritize it. And uh, and if all this is news to you, actually, if you've been following people who seem to know what they're heading and what they're doing, but actually haven't figured out that you can have a family, that you haven't figured out that actually it's Jesus being our brother that makes us family, that makes us the children of God, then come into the center and come and meet Jesus because he's the one who makes all this possible. And then come and meet your family as well. So what I'd like to do is I'd like the band to come back because what I want to do is I want to pray for both of these two. If you've been kind of following people who seem to know what they're doing, where they're heading, where they're going, and you want to either do this for the first time or reprioritize meeting together in small group. Change is hard. We are human and we don't do change very well. So if you want to change that, if you want to reprioritize small group and you want to actually build family together with the family of God, then actually coming out and praying with somebody can help us just cement that change in our hearts. So if some of the ministry team could come out, and if you want someone to pray with you, the ministry team on that side uh, will pray that you can, that, that you will reprioritize it and come and meet family and be family. And if you're one of the ones who've actually just been following people who seem to know where they're heading and what they're doing without meeting Jesus, then come and meet Jesus and I'll be over there. Thank you. Go for it.